Welcome to Younger and Older. This is Jason and Dave hanging out at the studios in the Northwoods of Wisconsin at Silver Birch Ranch. And this is the show where we get together an old guy and a younger guy and talk about life, the issues that are going on, and just apply biblical truth to it. Because in a world where there's not much um, that is based on truth, we just try to talk about normal things and say, hey, what would this look like if we looked at it through the lens of Scripture? Right. And even though we're from two different generations, it's still amazing how once you apply biblical truth, we end up having a similar, if not the same, understanding right. of the situation. So You know, when you go back and you talk about the God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, yeah, the things that God talked about with them, the principles are the same. Yeah. And that's one thing we have to understand. All of us have perspective. I understand that. My generation, we have perspective. Your generation does. But we all have to realize that perspective is based on where we grew up, what we've understood, and that's different all around the world. Absolutely. And God doesn't have perspective. He doesn't have an opinion. So when you look at it, you say, okay, what, what is right here and how do we adjust our lives according to it? And if you can agree on that, then you can go into the scriptures and start mining for gold. You know, I mean, you can look for these principles. Yeah. For example, all the way through history, it hasn't always been done this way, but all the way through history, marriage is a sacred institution that God has given to man. Yeah. So I can tell Jason from another generation, I can say definitively, you need to love your wife. You need to be committed to her. You need to make sure that you're committed not only to her, but to her family. You are a part of a family, and that commitment needs to last lifelong. Right. And and that's the way it is in the in god's word and and that's not going to change now how that looks in cultures might change how you get married what the weddings look like you know all that kind of stuff that might be different Mm -hmm. but the idea of being committed to somebody is not different and uh, mankind has taken that through the years and done all kinds of strange things to it to try and make it fit what they want Uh, yet it's it's simple Uh, it's simple when you go into the scriptures and you see there's this thing called sin well, there was sin in the Garden of Eden. Mm-hmm. There's sin today. I, there's family problems because of sin. Look at Cain and Abel. That's from the beginning that that's been that way. So there's things that really cross all generational lines. And uh, when we get together and talk, we love to land on some of those principles that aren't going to change. But there are some things that we can work at to make sure we can get to the principles. Because if there are simple principles, and I think... I was trying to write a book just called Simple, but it only was a page or two. <laughs> <laughs> I mean. So <laughs> that's not a book. <laughs> so I called that a book, Simple. You know, and, and it basically there is a God. Yeah. Okay, that's simple. There is a God. So if you just think of the ramifications of that, you're not God, but there is a God. So what are the ramifications? I'm not the one in charge. Okay. Yeah. So live that way. All right, so we just solved a whole host of problems. It's like I was just listening to people that were talking about the importance of these marriage conferences or whatever, and I'm not dissing them, so don't get on my case. But I'm saying I think that in life, if I were to give Jason advice for his marriage, I would say the most important thing in marriage is not to be self-centered. It's to be God-centered yourself. Mm -hmm. And... 
all the problems within marriage come from being self-centered. So if you solve that, your marriage will be fine. Yeah. And I would actually extend that into anything. Yep. Is I think, I think, and I I haven't pursued this thought a lot, but I think at the core of sin is self-centeredness. Oh, absolutely. You know, and so whether it's in a relationship between a spouse, whether it's in a relationship with friends, whether it's in a relationship, you know, with coworkers, you know, because we're, we're in relationships on many different levels, even with ourselves. And oftentimes it's that self-centeredness when we take the our eyes off of God and others that we get ourselves into trouble. Right. You know, if God made us a certain way, and he did, yeah. one of the ways he made us is to be a servant. Mm-hmm. And then he tells us that, that the most important thing that you and I can do is love God and love one another. So you go in the Bible and you realize, okay, let's define that. Let, let's see what it means. Loving God means being a servant of God, listening to what he says. It means obeying him. Mm-hmm. And the reason that's what it means with God is because he's 100% right 100% of the time. So, okay, if somebody's right and they're thinking right and they want to help you and they want you to be successful, you'd be stupid not to listen to them. Mm-hmm. To love God means to obey God. Check out the scriptures, read it cover to cover. You'll see that that's a correct definition. Th- then we're told to love one another. We're never told to love ourselves. Mm-hmm. We're told to love one another. Now, what that means is that I think of Jason and what I can do for you to make your life what it should be. Yeah. I don't think of Jason and what he can do to make my life the way it should be. See, that's a different. And, and the thing that I've done in summarizing that is saying you don't use people. Mm-hmm. When you start using what you should love and loving what you should use, you get into big trouble. Absolutely. So God made people to be loved, and he made money to be used. Mm-hmm. Um, or man made money to be used in, in that sense. So there are things that we use. You know, we use the grocery store. We use cars. We use all kinds of stuff. And not only that, a lot of times when you use something, it gets abused as well because... Yeah. You're using it, it wears out. But we don't use people. We love people. Right. And that's an important distinction. So when you look at it, it's like, okay, when I look at the New Testament authors, they keep putting down the same thing when they identify themselves. They're servants. They're servants. They're servants. Mm-hmm. They're not about themselves. So as I look at life, I think it's a lot simpler than we make it. I can have a really good marriage if I'm a servant if I think of what's best for my wife, if I live in the context of making sure that I take care of her and nourish her and look for making her the best person she can be, likewise with my children. But here's the question, the dilemma I have for you. Uh, If I paint a picture here of where society has been, Mm -hmm. it seems as though culture and families in today's world love to make sure their children have the world revolve around them. Mm. Yeah. Okay, well, we're trying to teach people to die to themselves and be servants, and that's what mature Christianity looks like in a world where children are growing up having the world revolve around them. Right. Well, how do you do that? I mean, that is, when I look at it for, you know, let's say you have a, a son and a daughter, whatever, they come home and one's involved in this, one's involved in that. The whole family rearranges everything. Everyone's involved in 
So everything in life revolves around what that child is doing. Mm-hmm. Um, if you go all the way back to the time your children were born, they were very self-centered. They were cute, I'm sure, but, but they were also self-centered. Oh, yeah. So they want something. All they do is scream. Yeah. And they scream until they get it. Mm-hmm. Now, if I did that at my age, you'd be putting me in a home. You know what I mean? <laughs> Why? Because that's not how you operate. That That's just not what you do. Instead, you realize that, you know, you don't just scream and moan and groan until you get what you want. You do that when you don't understand the world and how it's put together. Mm-hmm. So a child that's born, you have three boys. When they were born, they were all self-centered. Right. Now, your job, you're in your wife's job throughout the next 18 years, less than that now. Yeah. Your job is to make sure by the time they leave your home that they realize the world doesn't revolve around them. Mm-hmm. That's part of Now, I didn't say to beat them down emotionally or do anything else like that. The, the trick, if you want to call it a trick, the, the thing you want to keep asking God about is how do I teach them? Mm-hmm. that the world doesn't revolve around them. Mm-hmm. Well, again, you go into the scriptures, you realize God made them in their mother's womb. I mean, you can go through all that stuff with them. The, 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 the thing that I look back on that's the most precious thing for me now at, at my age that my dad taught me was that we were about serving other people. Mm-hmm. I can remember um, Christmas time that our whole Christmas celebration had to be changed because we needed to go up and serve people at camp at Christmas. Yeah. So everything had to change about how we celebrated because we needed to be on the road on Christmas to get here before the groups. Yeah. And I thought, well, dad, these other guys on Christmas do this and do that. It's like, well, that's not who we are. Yep. You know, so I always felt valued and important, but I always felt, well, we have to do this because, first of all, my mom and dad said so. I mean, that's how it starts. Yep. And eventually it was, well, that's how you serve people. Mm-hmm. Now, I think as we look at it, we're getting more away from that because more and more families are trying to create these constant, unforgettable, wonderful moments and have the whole world revolve around their kids. And when their kids leave for college, they can't figure out why in the world they're so self-centered. Right. And I think part of it, too, is that is that um, and and this might cause a rye, but I think some parents just don't want to put in the effort um, to to do that. And so rather than trying to teach those principles, it's easier just to keep the world centered around them. Right. Around their kids, because it does take effort. I mean, I have three boys at home and, you know, there's always comparison. You know, it's always looking at what what you don't have or what other people are doing. You know, just like you said, you shared the example of Christmas. Well, everybody else does Christmas this way. But, I mean, and my boys are, are younger. You know, my youngest is six, so I have six, seven, and ten. Okay. And all of them, I mean, they're at school now, all of them. And, and there's different things that they come home. It's like, well, so-and-so gets to do this or so-and-so has this. And it's like, well, and each time, each time it takes effort for, for us as parents to say, well, let's talk about that, you know. The easy thing would be to do of is either A, well, all right, let's get you one. Or let's let you watch that, you know. Or we can have the dialogue over and over again. Because one thing that, that I love about kids is they love to ask questions. Right. 
Some people think that's a nuisance. I love it because it's an open opportunity to have dialogue. Um, and in a world where, where I feel like there's no discussion anymore, I think that's, that's even more of a value because the more discussion you can have with your kids at a young age, the more than as they grow up, they're going to talk to you. I mean, if you're, if you go, go home, so say you get done with work, you know, you're listening to this episode, you're on your way home. I don't know where you're at. You get home and you're having dinner. I mean, how many people are actually sitting around a dinner table anymore without the presence of phones, having a dialogue? Right. I mean, there's so much value in investing into your family that I think we've lost sight of and it takes intentionality. And so as we have this discussion about these principles of, of even not being self-centered, it's like it goes down to the core of even our main actions. We, we allow even ourselves that same selfishness, that same self-centeredness because we don't want to put in the effort. It's like, oh, okay, if, if I need to take him to this sport or this sport right after school, well, then it buys me more time to, to do this on whatever, right. you know, and, and then we play into it. And so it's become in our society this whole focus on meeting my need in the most immediate sense right now. Yeah. And we've lost that whole interaction with other people, including our, our families. Right. Well, I think there's a couple of things that and while you're talking, I was thinking, you know, it's always more difficult for a parent to talk to their children about what they're not doing that everyone else is doing without uh, destroying the other parents. Yeah. You know, it's, 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 it's like you're not trying to say this is who we are. And since we love you, the conclusion your kid is coming to is those other parents don't love their kids mm -hmm. because we love you. You can't do this. Yeah. Okay, well, maybe you need to get a little longer explanation in there. Right. You know, one of the things that, that I remember uh, growing up with is I, I didn't remember my mom or dad, you know, going after other parents at all. It was just this is who we are. They gave us an identity. Mm -hmm. And everybody has an identity. Our identity was that we served. That was our identity as a family. So that's what we did. Yeah. You know, and when nobody else was doing it, that's still what we did. Because that's what my dad said we did. And, and I didn't have to like it as a kid. Mm -hmm. However, that's what we did. And uh, what was interesting to me is as I got older and I was got into education, I realized that this focal point is something that every family has. They, they have a focal point. Yeah. And the focal point is either comfort, it's money, it's dad's job, mom's job. If they don't have a focal point, they're totally disorganized as a family. For example... If today, if you were to sit down at supper tonight and just ask your kids, now the trouble is the oldest one will answer and the others will answer just like it. So right. you, you'll have to figure out how to ask <laughs> them so that they, get the, they tell you the truth. Right. But you say, give me one sentence that describes our family. Mm -hmm. That's going to be what they see as the focal point if they can be honest with you. Yeah. Now, you have to have the courage to listen to it and not overreact. Mm -hmm. What is our family about? This beautiful house. Yeah, okay. <laughs> <You know. laughs> now, the child will say something either because they just need to and they just pull it out of the air right. and, it, and it's meaningless. Yep. Or they actually believe that. Right. So you, you, that's the courage part. It's like, okay, I can't tell you what they're doing there because I've worked with kids all my life, and some of their answers are not valid. Right. Well, and even as parents, I would say don't get discouraged because the thing I love about that, Dave, is, is the simplicity in 
childlike understanding. Right. And and even my wife have to remind ourselves all the time, like when, when our sons even ask us a question, depending on which one it is and, and where how old they are, sometimes we can give a very simple answer. And they're like, oh, okay. Whereas I feel like sometimes at parents, it's like, oh, how do we explain this? Yeah. But you don't have to. Like, I mean, you do, but in, in a simple way. And that's the, the beauty of it is that their understanding, like even like you said, what, what are we about? It's like, oh, you know, we're, we like to have fun together. Yeah. Or whatever. It's like, yeah. oh, okay. Yeah. You know, and just roll with it. But yeah, I'd be curious to see what. Well, what not only say. that, but, but here's the danger. <laughs> here's where things normally go, unfortunately, because families don't have focal points. Yeah. A single one. Like, as I look back on my family, I came up with this single focal point of service. Yeah. That's it. That's all I remember. Didn't matter where. Church, youth clubs, that word. Now, I wouldn't have used that word. I, I would have used the word, you know, something else when I was growing up. Like, what are we known for? Church. Yeah. You know, whatever. Yeah. I going, may not have been able. Going with dad to do all this stuff. Yeah. I, I may not have been able to explain it. Right. You know, but, but in my mind now as an older guy, I look back and go, no, the word was service. And that's that's exactly what it was about. Yeah. Now, what happens normally in our society is that families don't have focal points anymore. They have many, mm. which means we can't see anything clearly anymore. Yeah. So dad's focal point is dad's job. Mom's focal point is mom's job. Johnny's focal point is football. Maria's focal point is theater. Joan's focal point is music. Yeah. So if you were to ask them, what do we as a family focus on? There isn't that one. Mm-hmm. And then we wonder why the family isn't close. Mm. Well, there's no focal point. We were meant to have a focal point. Yeah. And the, and the fathers were meant to give the focal point. Right. Here's what we're about. Uh, once again, it's not something you put up for vote. Mm-hmm. It's what, you know, God created you as a husband and father. You have children. And the way they learn is by observing you. So so your focal point needs to be lived out. Mm-hmm. And uh, to this day, I see the influence of the focal point in my kids' lives. Yeah. You know, they're both doing ministry kind of thing. They're both, you know, you can hear my words in them or Linda's words in them or whatever else it might be. There was a focal point, and it was the same as when I grew up. Yeah. Um, but I encourage those that are listening. It, your, your kids today are so fragmented. It is so easy to get off of a single point. Mm-hmm. And, and our lives are fragmented. When mom and dad are, are really focusing on money or they're focusing on comfort or they're focusing on, your kids are going to grow up seeing that. They can be focusing on something else. And before you know it, you've got five individuals who are totally, if you have five people in your family, who are totally self-centered. Yeah. And you're wondering why your family isn't close. And what they're doing is aligning with people who have the same focal point, believe it or not, that they have. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it, and what happens eventually is the focal point needs to be about me. What, what happens down the road is they realize I'm a politician. I have to get people to focus on me. Mm. It's not working. I'm lonely. All of a sudden, there's depression, there's anxiety. Why? Because I, I'm all by myself in the world. Mm-hmm. That's right. You don't have a focal point. And if you had a focal point and it was right, the focal point would actually come from God. 
See, I, the thing I've always loved about camp here is that we have a simple focal point. Yeah. We need to know Christ to make him known. I don't know how many business guys have kind of said, what's your, what's your mission statement? I go, to know Christ and make him known. No, that's a motto. What's your mission statement? I said, I just said it. Mm-hmm. No, it, it's because it's that simple. Right. Well, how do you know you're doing it? Uh, well, I'm not sure all the time because to know Christ is an ongoing process. To make him known is an ongoing process. But that's what we're dedicated to. Mm-hmm. This ongoing process of knowing Christ and making him known. And, and really, the more simple it is, the more we're able to do it. Absolutely. So I would encourage any parent to be able to start figuring out ways to discuss with your kids what they see as the focal point at various ages. If they're in high school, they're going to think differently. Mm-hmm. You know, if they're six years old, they're going to think. Focal point is, is there snow out there? A focal point is sledding today. Yeah. yeah. You know, it's like, okay, fine. And, and I, I wouldn't really use the word focal point. That would be something. You know, years ago I learned that when I, when I first came to Wisconsin and earlier than that, um, I realized that farmers had a really, really powerful focal point. And their families were families that seemed to be together and stay together, and the family farm was passed down from one generation to another, and they, they had a focal point. The focal point really was take care of the cows. Mm-hmm. That was the focal point. Yeah. So if you wanted to be in sports... Okay, you can be in sports, but not during haying season. Yeah. And you you went right through and, and you realized, okay, we're in a farming community. We have to adjust to the focal points of the families. Today, there's very little of that. Now sports comes in and says, you are just to us. We want to be your focal point. Well, I'm sorry, a, a basketball game cannot be a focal point necessarily of a whole family. Mm-hmm. Just doesn't work that way. Right. Um. However, it can be something that's a career. It can be something that's fun to watch, but the focal point is different. When I was in high school, and again, I know kids look at me like I was from a different world, but I can remember I, we had the same issues. Mm-hmm. Um, and my football coach had come to me and, and basically or said, you know, you need to leave camp early. We have practice. And I remember going home and talking with my dad about it. And, and I knew before I talked to my dad that he'd say, that's goofy. Yeah. I knew that. Why? Because I knew our focal point. So it wasn't like I came into this discussion not knowing exactly what the end would be. Mm-hmm. I, I knew what it would be. Yeah. And, and you know, the thing is, in the context of our life, it made sense. Yeah. Dave, what are we about? Well, we're really about serving a camp. Tell them you'll be there when you get home. Mm-hmm. Okay. And not only that, my dad always had some logic to him. He, he said, you know, Dave, this is high school football. Yeah. I doubt you're going to be a pro. Not only that, if you're good enough, he'll start you. If you're not good enough, even if you're there, you're not going to start. Yeah. You know, this is the way it works out there. Oh, totally. And that's common sense. Yeah. yeah. So I thought, oh, okay. So then I went and, and I told the coach, he goes, well, you won't start. Okay, fine. So I stayed at camp to the end, went back, and he didn't start me. One play, he kept me out. Just one. Yeah. And the rest of the year I played. You know, right. it was like. Oh, excuse me. I got punished beyond control here. Yeah. Uh, and the reason he did was exactly what my dad said. If you're good enough, if he wants you to play, you're going to play. It doesn't matter whether you're there the whole time or not. Mm-hmm. He wants to win. Right. Likewise, we went into swimming in high school. And uh, you remember our church growing up. We had uh, high school club on Monday night. We had prayer meeting on Wednesday. And, and 
I was a youth leader on Thursday night. So three nights a week I was at church. Yeah. And we lived about a half hour from church. So we went and talked to the coach. My brother did before I did. And he basically said, our family's about this. This is what we do. This is what we do. This is what we do. So Mondays I'm going to have to leave early. Wednesdays I'm going to have to leave early. Thursdays I'm going to have to leave early. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the coach looked at him and he said, you know, I respect somebody who actually knows what they're about. Yeah. That was all he said. Yeah. And and then left early. And then when I came, the path was already there. And it wasn't, I forget what year it was, but all of a sudden the coach would blow the whistle. Now our high school group was called Shipmates. Okay. Um, so the, the coach would blow the whistle at a certain time of practice and go, all you shipmates, get out of here. Yeah. Why? Because we were leaving early to go to church. Yeah. Now, years later, that coach came to Christ. Wow. That family. And you you know the family. They're, they're, his daughter is a speed skater for the Olympics and, oh, and okay, that kind yeah. of thing. And he came to Christ through all that. I, I don't know. That probably didn't bring him to Christ itself. Yeah. But we were Christians who had conviction. We knew our focal point. And we also knew, you know, if there was a swim meet on a, one of those nights – we made an exception because that was a meet. Yeah, yeah. And and the coach saw that. Okay, if you're going to have a meet on Thursday night, all right, we'll be there. But that's not normally how the swimming was. There were certain days. It was Tuesday. Right. But they were usually done by the time we had to leave anyway. You know, the meets were right after school. Yeah. So, But the bottom line really is it helps so much growing up knowing what the focal point was. Mm-hmm. And I've told this story before. I was in um, – course when i was in high school in my freshman year i was the deepest voice believe it or not no way yeah i thought you would have been like more of like no soprano. and we actually sang um the hallelujah chorus in pub- chicago public school for christmas one year when i was a freshman and i so sang. you're saying you have musical talent well i did back then you don't lose it well i, I did <laughs> um but then my my sophomore year they wanted to put on the performance of jesus christ superstar I never even talked to my dad about it. I went and said, I don't like that musical. Yeah. And he said, why? I said, because it diminishes who Jesus is, and I don't want to do it. Yep. And he goes, well, you you need to do it. I said, I'm not going to. And he said, well, then you can sit that out. I said, you know, sir, with all due respect, it was teacher, it was a chorus. I said, um, I don't even want to be associated with a chorus that does that, so I'm quitting. Yeah. And he just looked at me out. Now, my mom worked in the school as in the lunchroom. He goes, eh, you're just like your mother. Hmm. And I don't know what that meant completely. Yeah. But he said, well, then you're going to fail this course. And when I, I said, fine. And I walked out. And I went home. I told my dad about it. And he was proud of me. See, yeah. I knew my focal point. Right. It wasn't really about whether I got A's or my dad wanted me to get A's. There's no doubt. So I go home and I say, I'm going to get an F. Why? I told him, he goes, okay, well, yep. that's the way life is. Right. Yeah. And, and and I encourage any parent that's listening, get a focal point that's biblical. Absolutely. And and live it in front of your kids and make sure that they understand it before they leave the house. Yeah. And that, and then it gives you something to come around as a family. Like you said, it brought your family together. It's not like you're going in a thousand different directions and not seeing each other. Right. And I think that's so important is to have that focus. And so if you're listening today, I encourage you to th- just to think about your family. If you're at home, if you're if you're still single, you know, you could still have a focal point 
and maybe that you could adjust things so that way other people see that focal point in you and, and you can be a, a light to somebody and be able to share Christ with them. So hopefully you've been encouraged through our discussion today. I encourage you to go um, to silverbirdranch.org where you can listen to other podcasts or go to your favorite podcasting website and you can uh, re-listen to other discussions that we've had along the way. But I thank you for joining us today. This is Jason and Dave here on Young Girl Old. Take care. See you next time. Bye-bye.